0: Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official unofficial voice of the Marvel cinematic community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete.
1: At my side, you will shine more radiant than the stars we will conquer. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 507, the 95th in the series, Matt. Together, or not at all, Is sponsored by lighthouse spa level better than level three try our new gravitonium facial scrub
0: pete before we dive in we must simply must note some shimmers of hope for the future one is that tv by the numbers has officially upgraded shield to likely to be renewed for season six that of course can change if people stop watching live. So keep watching live mm-hmm. uh, and next. And this is something I take with always with a grain of salt because a good boss never shoots down the workers midway through uh, midway through the season. But ABC President Channing Dungey sounding optimistic on another season as well. And the way one of the articles was worded, this uh, press coverage of the uh, the um winter uh press tour that everybody's doing for the for the TV. Trips. Yeah. Um the reference was made to like, I need to sit down with Marvel TV first. And I'm I'm adding the first there, but it just kind of got the got got the sense, Pete, that somebody at the Mouse House might be looking out for Shield and might be saying to their equal Channing Dungey, not their boss Channing Dungey, you know you need to bring this show back, right? So I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm supposing that who knows, you know, all sorts of good things or bad things could happen, but hope Pete, hope.
1: And speaking of hope, Matt, we're heading into pilot season. And I think that's a great unknown as well. Whatever comes out of that could, uh, lure, uh, Dungy's eye in a different direction. So watch this show, tweet during this show talk about this show get other people to watch this show and speaking as somebody with a pilot with a little bit of heat on it right now you know this is a competitive business so you you vote with your watches
0: she did say that there there are no plans for marvel pilots this development cycle so if there's going to be the token marvel show on abc and it isn't going to be in humans season two Right. Again, this is all in a positive direction. You mm-hmm. never want to root against, oh, I hope they cancel once upon a time to make room for it. you know it, That's just not cool, but some shows are certainly doing worse than Shield and some shows don't have, don't have Marvel TV to back them and, and you know Jeff Loeb and the rest. So yeah. fingers
1: crossed. Well, once upon a time, Matt, these ratings might not have been good enough, but right now they are. Let's keep them steady, but let's grow them at the same time.
0: Absolutely. And with that, Pete, let's keep on growing here.
1: (laughs) When we catch you up on what went down, our teaser, Matt Fitzsimmons and the destroyer of worlds escape here. They grab some clothes quickly. What's the plan? Well, ship first. Then plan. Uh, Daisy has uh, a ringing in her head, and uh, Fitz explains that nothing is impossible anymore now that he has come to the future. Um, there's going to be Pints on his behalf, there's going to be Gin on Simmons' behalf, and before uh, Daisy can chime in with uh, what she'll be drinking. She attempts to use her powers on uh, a Kree, but is unable to because of the inhibitor, Matt, that is still active.
0: Luckily, she has her own beat-up bad guy's power nonetheless. (laughs) Um, And this is intercut with with Simmons being uh, auditorially tased Yes. You know, released high-pitched sound uh, by her own inhibitor. Uh, not inhibitor, but her own. She has like, an implant, yeah. Yeah, her own implant. So Fitz is able to yank that out with what my notes refer to as a pokey, sharpy thing, which, <laughs> to for- be honest. A
1: forceps? <laughs> well, but
0: Pete, I think the point of having it was to say that's a pokey, sharp thing that he's sticking in your yes. ear. Yikes. By the way, Pete, want to mention that moments earlier, off camera, she wiped off all of her makeup. And... You know, I mean, I know I was done off camera because she had a whole ton of makeup on there, and a couple of wipes aren't going to actually take it off. But I also appreciate the show wants to keep a certain pace, which is not 15 minutes of makeup removal. Um, but I did get a, a get get a you know a, a kick out of essentially Elizabeth Henstridge taking a towel to her clean forehead and going wipe. Oh, the makeup <laughs> is gone. You know, the
1: gold th- makeup that takes 15 minutes. Uh, Getting to the window there. There's the ship. All too easy, Matt. Of course it blows up. And uh, again, credit to Mark Kolpak here, uh, our head of special effects. The debris comes to the screen and we break to the title card just as it seems ready to hit the lighthouse.
0: The most explosive use of debris since (laughs) season four of Arrested Development. (laughs) (laughs) after that title card, we have Cassius maybe getting his cut fixed, maybe just kind of like preening a bit, like is it bad? How bad is it? Is it noticeable? Yes. Fantastic close up here of his layers of makeup, mascara included. I don't know if you caught it, Pete. Uh, They put on Twitter a, a time lapse of the actor getting his makeup on. Yes. Three and a half hours. I just want to point out Mr. Worf. Had it down to, I believe, 75 minutes by the time he went back to Deep Space Nine. So dudes in a chair a long time to get layers of blue and then reflective freckles and then the white, you know, ostentatious makeup that he that he wears and his manscara and all that. It's a lot of time to be in a makeup chair, but he's doing it for us.
1: The scar his brother tells him should be noticeable. These are badges of honor. And uh, Kasai's brother wants to know where's the destroyer. And for the first time, uh, we see that the brother has brought uh, his particular uh, protectors. He also wants to double the guard around here. So certainly a ratcheting up in the wake of what happened at the crater, Matt.
0: Yes, Big Brother Falnack. Uh He is eager for for his man, his manservant, uh, to spill the blood of the humans, but to do so with their own weapons. Um, we then move upstairs, and I need to remind myself each week, Pete, that the cool people live downstairs, and the less cool people live upstairs. But we have one of the uh, one of the deck commander guards telling the lowly humans to behave, or else uh, a bit. Farther from there, Colson and Mac are watching, uh, concluding in part because they want to keep the tension of this, this, this you know, lightning fast uh, start to the story here. They want to keep the tension going. It's not long before this is all, ti- all traced to us. Time to move. Then, Pete, we go back downstairs. Tell us how Cassius is milking that scar.
1: Well, he's talking with Sonora here, explaining that uh, the brother Falmac is the gatekeeper to the father. He is the key to our there. He and Sonora's freedom, and Sonora speaks for the first time in this episode, and she was quite the chatterbox in this episode. <laughs> Comparatively, Matt definitely spoke the most words she has. At any point of the show,
0: yes, she calls his uh, his behavior begging and notes mm-hmm. that it is repulsive. Um, and Cassius uh, counsels her to use her head and to hunt Daisy. This, in contrast to to Falnak's, uh idea, which is being uh, which is being filed out by his manservant to be named later. Um, you know, that's Matston Dar is the uh, the manservant, but uh, the idea that that he's kind of, You know, hunting using the senses, and Snar should use her head. With that, Pete, we go back to Daisy and Fitzsimmons. They're on the run, a bit worse for wear. They get into the elevator. I have to say, I appreciated the light effect in the turbo lift. You know, the light's moving, (laughs) suggesting motion. Pete,
1: we do all all the cool geek shows in space nowadays. Mm Mm-hmm. Star Trek Discovery being the other one there, but the power's cut or somebody turned off the, the lights that make it look like they're moving up or down. Uh, so what do you do then, Matt? You've, you you can not go through the floor because there's no box on the floor that opens up for you to go. So you've, you've got to open up the thing on the top of the elevator and climb through um, with that, a really great transition made it seem for a moment, like, wait a minute, they're in the elevator. They went up they're on the surface of the earth, but no, instead, uh, a little bit more of a jump for uh, May here limping through the surface, being uh, stalked by Vrelnexian's shrieking. There's one suddenly creeping up on her uh, and is impaled by an unseen character. It's Enoch. Hello. This is the third Vrelnexian i've eliminated in pursuit of you not to toot my own horn as you would say of course may wouldn't say that um but uh he is not an attractive offering for these varel nexians he has no uh tender insides like she does he's a chronicom from the constellation she would know as cygnus uh but he mentions Philip J. Colson, that gets her attention. Wait, you're the guy from the diner. She diagnoses herself. She's got a bilateral tear of the quadricep, but she's a fighter, Matt, and uh, she is ready to fight.
0: Scene after scene after scene in this episode is about addressing the topic of the scene. And then they throw gas on the fire to keep things moving. That is the case here. They've had their little expositional share. um, But uh, that's when the Vrelnexians seem to be running away. There's a gravity storm approaching, which is bad enough. uh, But there's a scary thing that somehow has the Vrelnexians running from the gravity storm. Something grabs Enoch. Something grabs May. Oh, no, to end the act.
1: Act two, Matt begins with the yet unnamed bodyguard, protector, jack of all Cree trades for uh, brother. And uh, he's he's looking around here in the elevator, uh, doesn't seem to know where the Destroyer of Worlds and her uh, party have gone, puts a knife to uh, one of the humans' necks here, to destroy destroyer. Where is she? No answer. Slashes blood all over the wall. Grabs a woman. Same question, but drops her. Doesn't kill her. And then Coulson picks up here, uh, explaining they are killing killing innocent people. And Flint meanwhile wants to know, hey, uh, where's where's that nice lady? Where's where's Tess, my friend? that uh I haven't seen since last episode any anything uh happened to her
0: well a Flint should have watched the previously on agents of shield (laughs) B I have some thoughts and some feelings about that uh at least about the Flint Tess connection but I'll get to that in a couple of scenes uh we return to Casias and Falnak checking out the human guns Falnak says that he doesn't mind weapons for killing at a distance but he prefers blades. He prefers to feel his opponent's warm blood. Pete, that's foreshadowing for later in the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we get some backstory here in Casais that he was given a big outpost to protect, uh, but lost it and then ran with Sonara. At least that's one telling of events here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Fal-Nak, Falnak really hammering home that his little brother is a source of shame. He was once magnificent And now like earth is a broken speck of dust. He can't wait to get to the destroyer and leave PS. I hate you, bro. (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much it. Find this destroyer. So I can take my leave of you both. He wants, and he hands him the, the handgun here, the, the craftsmanship that they had both admired of these weapons. Um, Fitzsimmons, and Daisy wind up in an industrial setting here. Daisy feels the pipes. They're hot. This must be the spa floor. uh Simmons notes, one is cold. Uh, Fitz finds an air filtration system. <gasps> Matt, what's, what's this funny grav-something substance? Gravitron? Gravitonium? What What's that?
0: Pete in that rocky first half season of shield we had twists we had turns we had I don't know frankly Pete we had a loose thread left it was episode 103 two one of those I think it was 102 actually with gravitonium and um, 103 anyhow not just gravitonium but gravitron who I you know when last we saw him he was still caught in the gravitonium um if this is only a yuck yuck callback and we never return to gravitonium i'm okay with it if it ends up becoming a thing where it's just gravitonium no guy trapped in there i'm okay with it and if it ends up being the return of gravitron after five years that would be an interesting 90 choice. plus
1: episodes yes that would be callback of callbacks as we head to the act break
0: well pete before we head to the act break i just want to mention that Dar shoots at them, Fitz gets hit in what could be his lung, but then I said to myself, wait, it's the old John Wayne, you're shot in the fatty side of your side yeah. that has no ribs or guts. Um, but then, Pete, we get to the act break. Right as they say that they're going to surrender, act break, they're not surrendering. Fitzsimmons run while Daisy fights, there's some steam in
1: there that lets
0: her escape, and scene...
1: And Deke uh, shows up here ready to uh, seemingly collect the bounty. Uh, he works for Cassius. Sometimes he qualifies, but this is the guy who sold her to Kasais. Uh He says he's a pragmatist, uh, and he has found them because all the channels are buzzing with the news of their escape.
0: Good news, Pete he's now decided to be team shield. Uh, so he's totally all in for now. I also felt Pete maybe maybe I'm seeing things that have been there for the first time. Maybe I, I don't know. Is it me or is there a little sizzle in the air between Deke and Daisy? A little bit. Okay. Ooh. I'm going to I'm going to ship that on my blog. It's the
1: part of the season where the she and the new male lead start to generate that heat uh together because we we haven't seen this go on at all in the previous (sighs) four seasons it's
0: it's the it's our shield family Pete um Fitz asks them to hurry up please and Deke thinks that's a great idea new guy uh I just I love again the, the show sets a pace for itself and it's been doing it for years now. And they're not going to compromise that with things like, oh, hello, my name is Fitz. My name is Deke. We shall shake hands. No, it's just going to be keep it moving, keep it moving. Um, and indeed, Pete, they need to keep it moving. Bang, bang, bang on the door. Uh, mastodon Dar or someone is at the other side. Time for them to move. Could they be headed towards a trap by Deke? I don't know, but let's go find out.
1: Well, Matt, Mac, and Flint, you know, they have a heart-to-heart here. Um, And it's the type of conversation that, hey, you don't know anything about me. Hey, kid, yes, I do. Nothing's fair, never is. I lost people, too. And boom, we suddenly have Fitzsimmons and Daisy showing up. I could have done
0: without this scene, and I could. To me, look, I know why Flint as a character is sad. Here's the problem: he's sad that he lost Tess. I'm not. I dug Tess as a character. I wish she was still on the show. I can't be sad for him since we barely saw their connection. So to me, it's like hurry up here. And I get that they're also seeding what will become. You know, Mac and Yo-Yo, but Mac kind of de facto adopting him, you know, story adopting him. Uh, by the end of the episode, we need to set that up here. But it was just, I felt like, come on, let's let's get a move on here. But as you say, Pete, Daisy arrives. The whole team is there, except for May. I got chastised on Twitter. Don't forget, there's not May. Um, right. And other people are saying, essentially, the whole team is back together, you know. Um. But,
1: Wait, but not Pete, May, which Pete, is a big part of the team.
0: Not May and Pete, not Flint. He's bounced. Where'd he go?
1: Yes, he has bounced here. Uh, one of the Cree overseers is asking about the whereabouts of the escaped inhuman. Uh, and he is adamant here. Uh, yeah, he knows where they are as he takes the hood out. Or hood off, good reveal. Heading into the act break,
0: we return from the act break. Flint saying too many people have died. He gets patted down, and in his in his little um, in his little little uh, waist pouch, uh, the guard only finds rocks. Um, so we are finally ahead of the story here. The rocks are discarded on the ground, but then uh, Flint uses his powers to pull the rocks together, to make a stabby shard piece, a single shard. There's your Dark Crystal call-out, friends. And somewhat shocking moment where he sends it smashing through Big Blue's face. Eye gone, bloody eye socket not there. Kudos to the actor who then does this, I was going to say exaggerated, but that suggests it wasn't authentic, just does this fall to his knees and his body flails and he falls down. Uh, Really, really great moment contrasted by the other Kree that just kind of stands there long enough for Flint to have his moment for the camera and for Flint to say that was for Tess. Then the other Kree is ready to fight back a little bit, but we know that Flint is so awesome, but Sonara from behind cold clocks him. She's keeping him for bait.
1: Yes. uh, We have Daisy here and the other uh yet unnamed matt uh guardian of uh the brother who is also to this point unnamed don't don't know if he'll ever get a name it's
0: pete somebody's got to play guard and somebody's got to play Philip j colson you know from the movies and thus is the world of acting
1: Yes, but uh, it's it's time to put an end to this," says that other uh, bodyguard there of the brother of Cassius's brother. These these scrappy rebels need to be put down. Uh, Daisy asks Flint if he is okay, uh, and they rejoin the rest of the group. Ahead of who Daisy refers to as Mr. and Mrs. Boba Fett. That's a Star Wars reference.
0: That is a reference to Star Wars. And in fact, Pete, I assume that Mr. and Mrs. Boba Fett is actually part of real Star Wars because I read about it (laughs) on a blog. And if those things don't come true, then Star Wars is over. But they are on their way, Pete. How can they possibly keep them out in the hideout that was formerly Grills? rock-crushing institute of technology. Um, <laughs> Flint covers the door with boulders, and Colson figures that, that will buy them some time. However, Pete, uh, we have the very able Dar, who starts blowing holes in the wall, or not,
1: act break. We come back from the act break here. Uh, Mac exchanges words with Flint. He told him not to go out there because I'm your surrogate father-slash- brother figure um, and uh, he said Flint told him there that you told me I had to use my powers to protect um, and with the the room full of people with superpowers and scientists etc Colson wants somebody to tell him something you've got to be able to do this for me uh, Sonara continues to speak at a clip outpacing any she's had before here tells the uh the guard of uh the brother of Cassius that he's slow um and uh fitzsimmons take the gravity belt thing we've seen used use before and they shoot up the old chimney there as the gunshots continue to come in one at a time. We're building the the pace here laboriously. Yo-Yo take is, takes the uh, gravity device. And then there's little blue devices that are put in through the holes. We're wondering what those are. There's some beeping. And just as that's going on, Sonora takes her balls out.
0: Pete, let's pause on that mental image for just one moment. I want to go back ever so slightly in the scene to make to explain to you a reference that you probably do not understand when Fitz and Simmons are ready to go up the old chimney, as you said. Perhaps with a finger on the side of their nose, I don't know. Uh, Simmons says, allons-y. Pete, that is a reference to a program that you are not familiar with called Doctor Who, which has been on... The BBC and American TV shows since 1963 and specifically it's a reference to a character played by David Tennant called the doctor in which he would sometimes say Alonzi as he jumped into exciting exciting adventures through space and time.
1: Well, here's the reason that I'm unfamiliar with that. I'm a citizen of these United 50 states, Matt, you know, that people from that other country call the colonies. So, yeah, I don't I don't get down on that TV. Sorry. Sorry
0: you might remember david tennant as having played the bad guy in jessica he jones was the
1: purple man yes he was he was uh kill grave on jessica jones
0: pete speaking of which um probably next month we'll be previewing season two of jessica jones ahead of it coming out on march 8th international women's day and we're very excited about all of that so doctor who david tennant jessica jones mcu back to the thing that started it all i believe pete you had us paused in the image of sonara's balls please continue from there
1: well suddenly as the hole is formed in the wall there two more holes are formed in the guy who made it
0: yes she uh, she <laughs> she fires in him and then enters the room pete kind of uh, kind of triumphant there he is dead Yes. Uh, R-, R. I. P. Mast on Dar. Uh, who? Mast on she, Dar.
1: Who? Dar. <laughs> who? And she looks up there. She she can just tell they have moved up a level there. Deke, of course, was the last one. Uh, he notes they are definitely following them, but Deke can't fly. We've been led to believe this whole time he knew how to fly these trawlers. He doesn't. Uh, Flint. Did Virgil give you flying lessons? Hey, Matt, remember Virgil?
0: Um, was he um was the, guy the number that, two guy from uh,
1: the very first episode? Exposition, exposition, yes, yes, oh, yes.
0: and then pulled by the thing, the thing, yes, the, yes, yes, absolutely. I, of course, I remember Virgil again, Pete. We're at this moment of increasing tension. Who can fly? You know what's going on. Um, I'm a little less thrilled with the notion that we are at this point, we're all ready to leave, but Flint won't go. He needs to protect these people. So Mac is going to stay behind. And so is Yo-Yo. I I don't like it when they backbench characters. And I, I mean, we'll see where it goes. I just feel like, come on, the action is Coulson and the team going to earth to meet up with May and, you know, the remnants of shield or the, 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 you know, I don't know the the acolytes of Shield. Like, and I know we're coming back to the station and whatnot. I just, to me, I was like, ugh, come on, keep the teams together. But there's good news, Pete. There's Shield tech that's ready to go. He hit it, you know, eighty ninety years ago. It's just on level three, which is the worst level that there is. And then we get a great quote from Fitz here. I've moved through uh, time and space, and I don't think I'm getting enough credit. <laughs>
1: Yes, with Fitz having uh, put this deus ex machina, Matt, on this horrible level. And uh, with his, uh, you know, uh, distaste for his teammates reaction, loved how uh, Mac calls back here several seasons, Matt. Hey, remember when Fitz had brain damage?
0: Wow. Wow end of season one for six episodes of season two. Yeah, yes, I remember we're, that
1: where where max kind of, you know, nurse mating him along here. Hey, turbo, 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 come on. you you you're all right. it's it's all gonna work out. Um, with that, the crew that is headed on the trawler, led by Colson, at the controls here, Matt, talking about taking off. Uh, but hey, he's got a got a flying car. How hard can it be? Hey, Remember, uh, remember his flying car.
0: Don't touch Lola, who it's been a while since we've seen. I mean, the show
1: moves callbacks in the ninety-fifth episode. (laughs) Um, I, I mean, I I think a big part of this show's continued success is the ability to access it. If you were to tune in to a random episode, that that you could access it. At the same time, it's enduring success of referring back to itself. I think that's what made the framework pod for my money, the greatest section of this series to date. Um, And and there have been highlights and and lowlights of where we are right now. But, uh, you know, the the number of references in particular to this episode to really, really long ago makes this have the feeling that in the writer's room they're going for it if they don't get any more, that they want to round things into form. And I don't wish that to happen. Uh, I really hope that doesn't happen, but I think you have to prepare for it in today's TV landscape.
0: The story moves back downstairs where Falnak says that searching for these rats is difficult. Uh, Sonara, however, arrives with news, not good news that the very people that they are searching for uh, have escaped. Uh Folnack is flabbergasted. This is a screw up of epic proportions. Uh, to add to that, Maston is dead. and um Folnack- by
1: whose hand, Matt?
0: Well, it's going to turn out in a moment that it's at her hand, or at least we know it, but she admits it. Falnak walks away and laughs. Turns out, Pete, he's going by Klingon rules here. <laughs> he is impressed. Maybe he's even going for Terran Empire rules too. Oh man, <laughs> Pete, it's all connected. It is. Um, he 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 says that she clearly has the desire to to climb higher, and you know, with Maston Dar out of the picture, it looks like Falnak is hiring too. He's going to show her all sorts of things but Pete all of a sudden he's spitting blue blood is that normal?
1: It's not. He's been stabbed in the back uh not by Sonora Matt but by his brother. Cassius uh turns out we get a different take on the story that uh the brother told a little earlier in the episode. Uh yes, the the generals did die along with thousands of soldiers at that outpost. But the generals were killed by Sonora because they were preventing them from fleeing when things went south here. And Cassias uh, lets him know that he's discovered the battlefield is not his place. He has to focus on greater things. He's focused too much time at full max knees here that he needs to stab his enemies both in the back and the front. And he finishes the deed there on his brother, a life spent a life earned Matt. That's their motto. It's also, uh, two of the seven episode titles to this point. Uh,
0: with that Pete, he wipes his brother's blood on his face. He
1: really hasn't done, but we're both older brothers. We've both done that.
0: Sometimes, Pete, it's just simply necessary. Um, two thoughts here: one kind of well, reference is made by Falnac earlier in the episode of his desire to feel his opponent's blood on his hands. So I think cassias is kind of having a moment there. Also, Pete have to wonder, you know, are are we going? Are we going? OG brother trouble is this blood somehow a mark of Cain now that the brother has been killed
1: I don't know little, little uh, biblical reference there but he tells Sonara here think of how warmly his father will greet them they're gonna avenge his brother's death and bring the destroyer in uh, that, that that can only bode well for the both of them here, the suddenly talkative, but not talkative in this scene, Sonara, uh, We cut to the ship over Earth there, Matt, Simmons, and Fitz uh, talking. She's, uh, she's recapping that she's asked him to marry her. Coulson at the controls here explaining this is not exactly like his flying car. And uh, suddenly they get some turbulence. Hang on as we head to the tag scene. In the tag
0: scene, May awakens. Perhaps it's underground. She sees Enoch. We see Enoch. Then she sees, are we at S.H.I.E.L.D.? Pete, side note, this is a wonderful tag scene because it's, it's all questions, questions, questions with a tiny yes. answer at the end. What's going on? Enoch says they grabbed us. Who is that? We get masked. Folks, Pete, either it's going to be a connection to previous episodes or this is SETI Alpha 5. Turns (laughs) out, as the old woman appears, she's been waiting a long time to see May. She's holding the bird. Pete, it's Robin.
1: It is the little girl here, so aged to their uh, time, which works really well and captivates us at the end of this episode, Matt, until next week. The dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys, Matt. They don't get any worse than Cassius.
0: Indeed, Cassius's villainy is uh is with an upward bent here. I think it is fair to say however smart he is or however wronged he was by his battlefield placement from dad or whatever, that he's been hands-off and he's been a little like, you know, his he feels that his his reputation is perhaps greater than what is earned um, here though he gets those hands bloodied he's got this brainiac plan at the end to turn the death of his brother that he caused into he's going to find you know, he's going to avenge his brother uh, his brother's death and curry favor with his father I mean he's More villainous, more action oriented and uh, altogether, Pete, a bad, a bad seed.
1: I think he's the worst type of bad guy in that you're never quite sure where you stand with him. It's easy with the Darth Vader types, you know, to fear them at every single moment. But this is a guy that that cowers. This is a guy that uh, sucks up to you and then he stabs you in the back and then the front.
0: Pete, let's now talk about, hey brother, it's
1: fallnack who um had a Where is it? We never got his name on the screen. It, I know it, you I know you hit the ABC page.
0: It was it was mentioned at one point. Sonara uh downstairs, is milking his scar. Sonara wondering if she now should be following initially I put four lek and then I looked it up, but <laughs> that is mentioned on screen okay. as right.
1: they, gave it, they gave it one name check. We got to do a little bit better with, with mentioning characters names, um, Particularly and, but not overdo it at the same time.
0: The, the, the Cree are affecting a certain um, kind of Rome in the movies, Britishy, not accent, although I think there are slight elements of a British accent in there. But kind yes. of there's a little bit of a the and a thou, Not that they're using those words, but you can get away with things like you know, there could be lines like for brother Falnak, I shall avenge thee, or you can say, mm-hmm. you know, I Maston Dar, I task you with finding the destroyer. Like you can have those moments where you're not gonna have, you know, whatever, the head of the Secret Service say and agent Teacher Ketelar, you <laughs> shall go investigate this situation. It'll be, you know, all right, go do this.
1: Balnak had a pronounced British accent in one particular scene and then was trying to mask it in the other uh, when his brother does not have one. So that was a little um you know incongruous as well. But, you know, okay, we got him in the last episode. He comes in as the heavy here as the representative of the of the father who we've built up. You have to imagine that's coming at some point. Um, you know, who 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 are we bring it in, Matt, it's it's time for it's time for another actor the same age as as Clark Gregg to show up. <laughs> We're in that point of the season, right? Where, you know, where a blue man approximately the same age as the male lead is going to show up to, uh, shield. Quick tangent.
0: Falnack played by actor Samuel Rukin, uh, born in Southport, England. And uh, according there to, there you
1: go. There however, you Pete, go.
0: according to Wikipedia currently lives in Northern New Jersey. Uh, what? Hey, Hey, Sam, anytime you want to meet up at a, at a, Jersey Diner, get ourselves right. some uh, some scrapple, maybe a uh, a pork roll. Pork Come roll, on, man, son. this be
1: awesome. Absolutely. And if you don't know, listeners, what pork roll is, look it up and head to Flavor Town. Uh, we'll move from there, Matt, from Flavor Town and uh, brother to um, Maston Dar.
0: Maston Dar, yeah, I I dug Maston Dar as the as the henchman you know the james bond henchman in this situation great presence from the actor um great fight scenes great even use down to the the contact lenses and the way that he as the character or the way the makeup staff in the real world have, have done the design I, I dug Even the him.
1: hairdressing, the yeah. uh, the mohawk there, the faux hawk, perhaps, the uh the the black around the eyes, very stylized, H- his most brutal scene slashing the guy's throat, uh for n- the nine o'clock hour, letting it hit the wall. Um but uh we barely knew ye before Sonara uh took him out with her balls. Uh,
0: fun fact, Pete Mastondar, that actually is a, a a Cree character from from the comics. So uh, here, played by Remington Hoffman, which is the best actor name ever. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, just—I mean, I mean—that's about as as deep as you get. Uh, I'm certainly not saying it's identically the same character, although he is Cree. Right. Uh, first, uh, first appearance was in 1995 in the comics. So it's a deep
1: it would, cut. sure it's certain. a
0: deep cut. It's a deep bench.
1: Yeah, and then Sonara. I mean, what can you say about her that we haven't to this point? And and now with new talking action, uh, a whole new level of characterization. But I love the the social climbing that goes on in this episode that she has the audacity to take out this other henchman. Let's be honest you know the the Boba Fett reference works for the most part in that Sonara is cooler um, than this other guy who's just shown up whose big power is a knife and Sonara has these uh, these orbs that she rockets through people but she was a little cooler when she talked less.
0: Yeah. Although I feel like we're slowly getting to know her, um, particularly having a sense that we still have several episodes on this pod, on this chapter, on this, you know, however we're dividing it, if at all, uh, I can't imagine we're doing 22 episodes in space in the future, but, um, I like that we're getting to know her, particularly getting the sense in this episode that she's kind of upgraded herself from bodyguard to trusted lieutenant with the possibility of queen to Cassius's king. Time will tell.
1: Welcome to level seven. Time to analyze and theorize. Matt, the big thing in this episode, the gravitonium reference. As
0: I as I had discussed briefly before, I think they're going to go gravitonium for the sake of gravitonium because that's that's a callback and that's something that fits here. I I think they're going to leave gravitron in the past. Um, I just feel like let me put it this way: the LMD pod last season part of what made it so great is how zany it got and there were copies and there were copies of the copies and who could you trust and who could you kill and who could you all that Uh, we're a little bit smaller scale compared to that right now so i think if we were to reintroduce a character from one of the least well-received portions of the show To do what? To do fan service? I mean, we got that at the end of season one where he pushes the button on the 084 and says, oh, that's what it does. And we go, we made it through the season and it was a really awesome end to things. Let it be gravitonium. Oh, yuck, yuck, that's what's behind door number one. I'm okay never returning to it.
1: How about the speed with which Flint is suddenly testing his powers? I know we have to move things ahead for story's sake but this is a guy who was just able to start to move rocks. Then he's able to take a boulder and crush uh grill. And now he's able to make uh, rock eye daggers. I mean, is he going to put earth together again in the next episode? I think I
0: think it is not a criticism of the show to say that they really like their fast pace. That's just part of what makes Shield Shield. And other shows in the MCU might really slow things down and you know, we're going to do we're going to do entire scenes in The Punisher that are merely about reflecting on Thanksgiving's past, you know, really no major impact to the plot, just character reflection for four minutes as they eat microwave dinners. That's not shield. So is it kind of story baloney that he's gone from, I don't know if I can do this to, I can move super big things to protect us from instant death to the nuance of, you know, pebbles turned into a, rocks turned into a, a shard. Yeah. It strains things a bit, but I think it's in line with the show where, you know, traumatic, traumatic, irreversible brain disability to the point that Fitz was not perceiving reality correctly. And it was gone. Certainly within eight episodes, he was totally okay under that umbrella. Okay. Flint can make rod rock shards and I'm okay with that.
1: Is Sonara playing a longer game here than she lets on?
0: well, I I had floated before, you know, as snar, kind of bucking for queen to Cassius's king. I guess I'm of two minds. I mean, if she wants to be partners with him, whether it's romantic or just uh, for the sake of ruling, that could certainly be interesting. Particularly since she's kind of you've gotten the sense that, she, that she's been she's been kept in her box and kept, you know, like don't forget you are the bodyguard kind of thing. And now he's perhaps offering her more or she wants more. I don't know that the show would be ultra well-served if her conclusion was essentially, Oh, I've been your secretary this whole time. This whole time turns out Casayas, I'm in love with you too. I kind of don't know that that's a 2018 story that we need to tell, even if they are blue aliens with magic powers. So, I think the show needs to tread lightly with what they do with her.
1: And lastly, Matt, with Robin showing up here in the future, what will that bode for our agents?
0: Well, I don't know how long this arc is. And I think that's part of the fun. The only bit of information I have is celebrating the 100th episode on the Lighthouse in the Future set. Um, which even then, I mean, it could be that 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 could have been a fake out, or that could have been the last episode that they that they spend there uh, before I they mean, struck you know. it.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um. Yeah, I mean, so they might have already been two episodes out of that set, and they're whatever, whatever. Um. I get. I mean, I, they've been coy about number of pods, which is fine. Um. I believe they did that in the beginning of the season, too. I mean, they might have called it Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Ghost Rider either promotionally or on the title card, but you didn't know it was over until it was over, and it was next week LMD starts, and you go, what? Um, my point is this. There's a certain point where they need to wind things down, and, and it's important to be looking for clues as to how they're going to do that. that that's, that's my point. They might need to wind down some storylines. But Pete, for us, the adventure always continues. And that's made possible by our pals on patreon.com slash fantastic geek, keeping our freighters in the air, not exploding.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so get yourself over to patreon, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash fantastic Everybody who contributes gets exclusive podcast content. And then there are all sorts of perks to add from there. So check it out today. Let's check the wire.
0: Pete, we had run a tweet right at the end of the, uh, run a poll rather, right at the end of the episode. And uh, the question was what did you think of tonight's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? The 4321 uh, choices were four boulders, three Vral Nexians, two Sonara Balls, one exploding ship. And uh, 66% of people gave it a 4, 16% gave it a 3, 7% gave it a 2, and a little surprised to see that 11% gave it a 1. I think this was a perfectly fun episode. I mean, in and of itself, I think it it, it was a 4, comparing it to uh, the best of the best episodes, maybe it was a 3, but I don't know, a ton of fun nonetheless, I'm a little surprised people we're not yeah, as enthusiastic.
1: Surprised people a little down on that, but uh, it it happens. Um, that we had received a message from uh, Norman Bates of all screen names on Facebook here. Uh, would someone please explain the 74 year time differential between bits and the rest of the AOS? Since they got to 2,091 two different ways, I am not able to understand the time difference. Thanks. You want me to handle that one, Pete? Please.
0: He got into a pod where he was frozen and did not age. And the pod sat there for 98 years or whatever it is. And then he got unfrozen. And for him, it was was physically and mentally as though time did not go by.
1: And I think maybe on uh, Norman's behalf, there might be some confusion like that our agents uh, fits not included there have been active all this time. Let's remember they came through a time monolith we had not yet seen a different type um, and they've been active for a little while, but definitely not for all of that time.
0: Pete, we have an email from Noah Gregory. Uh, This is in reference to last week's episode. Uh, Is this Terra version 2, i.e. you don't get a husk at all if you're not inhuman? None of the other kids got a husk at all except for Flint. Your thoughts, Pete?
1: That's a good catch because we're so used to the idea that they would all husk up. Let's remember that uh, that's how poor... Trip got, you know, dosed there. And then, you know, the the mark on Daisy's conscience of ripping him apart when she emerged triumphantly from her cocoon. So, yeah, we don't seem to get that now. I would say we're we're in the version of Terra Genesis that the writer's room decides that we're in. Mm <laughs> hmm.
0: Next up, Pete, we have an email from Rickard Otegren. hope I have that uh, pronounced correctly. In part, Pete, because he's not from these United States, as Shelby revealed in his email. Hey, just discovered this podcast. Love what you guys do. Thanks. Here are two fan theories from me over here in Sweden. I had wow. to hurry to get them to you before we see Enoch stepping out of the trans- transporter room. You'll see what I mean. Oh, my. Um, but first, a quick one regarding Cree skin tones. Uh, there was some discussion on, about this on Twitter tonight as well. Uh, Ricard says, At first, I was sure it was about rank. Kasaius having the most white skin in his blue, and what seems to be his second-in-command, Sonara having a smaller amount, and finally the ordinary foot soldiers being completely blue. However, in the last episode, when Cassias's brother showed up all blue, it, that kind of messed up my theory. But then I thought maybe his all blue face is an indicator that he is a commander who lives closely with the men under his command. So it's more an indicator of how you live your life. Emphasis on the physical side or the intellectual. Uh, Ricard can, uh, goes on to say, major fan theory regarding the earth being destroyed. So from episode one, I have suspected that, that the earth is not really destroyed rather veiled in a mirage that makes it appear to be destroyed. huh. The destroyer of worlds myth is a lie told by the Kree to keep their resources, potential, and humans in check. When people are being sent to the surface, I think they're either being sent to a specific pit on Earth or some sort of hollow deck with actual beasts in it. This would explain why there are some, uh, some loose on the level they entered where no one is supposed to go. It would also explain how the Resistance have survived. In the last episode, uh, I should say he sent this yesterday. So when he says last episode, he means last week's.
1: 506,
0: yeah. We saw Enoch enter a transporter. I'm guessing he's going to the surface. Uh, Side note, I'll I'll interrupt Ricard for a moment. When he says transporter, I don't know if he means in a Star Trek sense or in an elevator sense. I certainly read it as an elevator. Uh, Perhaps, Pete, you read it differently, more as a possible Star Trek-style transporter. Um, but Rickard says, I'm guessing he's going to the surface and we will see some indication of what the situation is in the next episode. So Ricard was right there in conclusion. I am confident we will have a scene at the end of the season with the team breaking down the generator that holds the mirage with everyone aboard the lighthouse clamoring to look out the windows as we will see our normal earth again. If you think about it narratively. Uh, the only realistic other solution for it would be to uh, to be an alternate timeline bit, which I feel confident they won't do. That being the sci-fi equivalent of a sloppy, it was just a dream. A.K.A. Bobby was in the shower for Dallas fans. That's a deep cut, too. Yeah. Well done, dude, Ricard.
1: Dude, Ricard in Sweden with the deep cut American reference.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm going to uh, stap my uh, tinfoil ha- uh, tin hat on for... Real tight for this last bit of evidence before I bid you farewell. I was listening to another podcast, the one with ties to Marvel. Uh, This week's in Marvels. So they have access to cast for interviews and staff. And one of the hosts was interviewing Eve Harlow, who plays Tess. They were talking about the small uh, toy Earth that ended up having Virgil's key in it. And the host said, how does she feel looking at the Earth as if, pause, probably intended to be, uh, used to be, as she has never seen it before. Um, thanks again for your companionship through this season. Re, uh, regards, Ricard Otengren, Gothenburg, Sweden. So, first of all, thank you, Ricard, for your email. We, we love getting emails from everybody, but when it's from other corners of the world, it tickles us pink.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Nay blue, Matt, like (laughs) a lot of the people in this episode and some really great stuff on there. So thanks again, Ricard. Uh, Like the theory about the earth hologram. Have to see if it it comes true at this point. Yeah,
0: it's a good um, it's a good theory. And it's as I was saying before, now is also, in my opinion, a good time to start to think about story exits just my back of the envelope estimation and get to episode 10 or 11 or 12. And this ends and the second half of the season I'm expecting will be different somehow. Time will tell. um, But now is a good time with five. No, this was episode seven, right? Seven, eight, nine. Yes. And correct
1: me if I'm wrong. We've never in the pod era model, et cetera, Gone beyond eight.
0: True. I don't know if they are doing three pods or two, though. And I know, uh, I mean, if you or, want to say. Or any. <laughs> yeah.
1: Or just a season. Yeah. Right? Like, we we did five episodes before uh, Christmas. We've done two since we've come back. Um, we've said there'll be precious little time if they don't double up works out to maybe two or three weeks, they could take off, uh, right now, Matt, um, you know, B- Matt's daughter and, and he had tweeted this last week, uh, <laughs> about our scheduling, which is just so funny. Uh, uh, she had, well, why don't you tell the story, Matt?
0: Um, just out of the blue, Uh, she she'd asked some sort of question about podcasting like how often do you podcast and I said oh you know once or twice a week and then she said Pete makes the schedule (laughs) just out of the blue and I was like well and then she's like oh now I have a question about you know my iPad or something like that where she completely changed the subject she was completely (laughs) done with it I'm saying to myself you know have I ever like jokingly like gone upstairs and been like like for example, I know you know this, Pete. But for example, like some of the when we're doing in December, when we're doing Runaways and Punisher and this and the other, you, you kept track of that, and I certainly was not going upstairs and saying, "Oh man, Pete, he's being this taskmaster."
1: Taskmaster is making me work again today. You know, yeah, for this because thing it, that's not our job. Right? Um, no, that's I our mean, passion I, and it, our hobby. Yeah, we're 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 two guys, and you know, I think we complement very well, in that. You know, one guy does this and the other guy does this. Matt does all the the tech stuff and and man's our Twitter. I do a lot of the scheduling, man, the Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you yeah, know, out of the mouths of of babes there uh, that they uh, that I keep the schedule. Um, but uh, the, the schedule right now, Matt puts the 100th episode airing the Friday that Black Panther would come out. And I don't know what it is, but for some reason, I think that Marvel might want to um, avoid that Friday because that um, opening weekend keeps getting adjusted up big time, as well it should, because that movie's going to be an enormous hit.
0: And here's my argument against that. Gee whiz, can we get Marvel publicity to buy ads on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that Friday? I'll make a call and see if I can talk them into that. Hello, corporate sibling. Buy ads here. Um, So I agree with you in terms of that might be a lower rated episode because people are going out Friday night to see Black Panther. But it also might be, gee whiz, we never sold out an Agents of Shield uh, commercial night so quickly. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. It's a success. I guess time will tell. Time will tell. I know the the schedule d- goes as far as the end of this month with um, with episodes confirmed. You know, every Friday. So time will tell. We'll keep our listeners posted, Pete. Well, Pete, if you want to be like Ricard, if you want to be like, uh, be like Noah was, how can people – let's start with you, Pete. How can people be in touch with you?
1: You can be in touch with me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, uh, 9,755 followers. Can't be wrong.
0: And while I am personally on Twitter as looking back lost, you can be in touch with the podcast any way you like. Comment on fantasticgeek.com. Email fantasticgeek at gmail.com. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram where we are
1: fantasticgeek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com forward slash fantasticgeek with the PH all one word. Smash that like button today.
0: Pete, for those who listen to us on the pop culture podcast feed, or on the Discovery uh, Star Trek podcast feed that we do. We'll be back on Sunday to talk more Star Trek Discovery. If you're here just for the S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff, Pete, it's what we do. We get podcasts out within 24 hours of the episode airing. When we were on Tuesdays at 10, Real Life said, hey, we got to do it the next afternoon. Our goal for this entire darn season, barring power outages, terrible terrible flu is to uh, to get these episodes out Friday nights so the the agents of shield party can continue we enjoy having the conversation we know you dear listener love getting that feed conversation that 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 uh, shield conversation in your feed on your phone on your computer ASAP we respect that we love that and we're gonna keep doing that
1: as Matt jinxes us with the flu uh, but New Jersey is one of the last states to not have a terrible epidemic at this point. So, yeah, uh, you know, we pride ourselves on our turnaround. This is our 95th episode, and we have never breached the 24-hour point from broadcast to podcast. So,
0: yeah. In fact, Pete, I will mention one of those episodes which took place which aired in the the, 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 the the first Tuesday in November 2015. I know we've mentioned this before, but I'll mention it again, Pete, just to add to our pride. That was recorded with you in your home in New Jersey, me 1,500 miles away, <laughs> sitting in a bathroom in a hotel in Mr. Walter Disney's World of Walter Disney while my wife and child slept in the other room and I sat on that clean cool floor using the turlet (laughs) as my as my desk and gosh darn it we talked about agents of shield and we got that out we got that out
1: i did a defenders from a rooftop in san francisco in august go back and listen and figure out which one it is so yeah we we are so grateful for you, our listeners. Uh, you are so gracious to us. So it's a reciprocal relationship, uh, and we produce it. You listen to it, and uh, you you have to maintain that. That's important. Uh, pod fade is a, a, a real thing for other people. Uh, we don't acknowledge that in this dojo
0: indeed pete with that we will be back on sunday and on friday to keep talking about our shows that have adventures in space with people with ranks and a topsy-turvy world with that i will say vrell nexians ahead to you and give you the final word
1: thought you weren't gonna tell me something i already knew